Good morning and welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church. As we begin this morning, please open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'll give you a quick moment to get there. And then we're going to start by doing something we haven't done for a long time. Ephesians chapter 1. All right, now that most of you are getting there to Ephesians chapter 1, if you're still turning, that is fine. But if you're not, I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up. It's okay. I'm telling you it's okay. Yes, the pastor's on the stage. He's behind the pulpit. But I want you to stand up. We're going to do something that we haven't done in a while. I want to have a little time of fellowship. Yes, that's right. I want to see everybody just say hello to a neighbor. Now, you don't have to touch anybody. We can just turn to a neighbor or turn to somebody behind you and just say, good morning. Yes, good morning. Say, it's nice to see you. Yes, let me hear it. Let me hear you say, it's nice to see you. It's okay to talk. Right now, I'm giving you the permission. In a moment, you have to be quiet and listen to me. But for now, I want you to just say, good morning. It's great to see you. Now say, hello, brother. Or hello, sister, depending on the person you're speaking of. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now say, how are you doing today? And listen to the response. If that response was not so good, then after the service, I want you to talk with that person, pray with that person, see what's going on in their life. Let's invest in one another. Invest in the church. Let's care for one another. Now, one more thing. I want you to look to each other. I want you to say, God loves you, and so do I. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You may be seated now. You see, we are the church. I'll give you a moment to be seated. Again, we're at Ephesians chapter 1. If you're still turning, and turn there. We are the church. All those who believe and trust in him and Jesus are part of his church, his family. We are family. But sometimes we forget who we are. We forget our great blessings and our responsibilities. We forget that we have each other. We forget that we have God, a triune God, and the Holy Spirit included. We forget who we are as Christians. We are in the book of Ephesians. We're getting back to this Building a New You series where we see that God is working at building a new you continuously. Every day you're being sanctified to be more like him. We are in a letter by Paul to Ephesus and those around that area in which he writes to remind or teach these people, the followers of Christ, of the great blessings that they have and the responsibilities of which they have as now being the part of God's church. Before we go further and before we read Ephesians chapter 1, I'd like to read a quick illustration. An illustration or a story of a drill sergeant. Some of you know these pictures of drill sergeants in the army, in the marines, whatever it is. As they're yelling at their troops, their soldiers, and things have changed over time and how they're allowed to yell at these people. But they still yell. And let me share this. It says, a drill sergeant barked out an order to a bunch of recruits, troops, soldiers, like they often do. He yelled at the top of his youngs, lungs, spit flying, COVID spreading. As he yelled, all you dumbbells, get moving. 
he shouted. All but one obeyed. All but one obeyed. Angered by his seeming defiance, this drill sergeant marched right up to him and growled in this man's ear. Well, aren't you going to get moving? The young recruit simply replied, there certainly were a lot of them, sir. A lot of dumbbells, which went running. Then this young soldier asked, what would you like me to do? <laughs> Again, far too often, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget that we are new in him, saved through him. By grace, we are blessed with great spiritual blessings. We are not dumbbells. We're not dummies. We are his church, and we are greatly valued by him. And we forget that we have great blessings and great responsibilities. So let's be reminded by Paul's excitement today. As he writes this letter in Ephesians, we'll focus on verses 11 to 14 today. But first, let's recap with chapter 1, verse 1 to 14, where we've been and where we're going. Please follow along. <clears throat> it's on the screen if you can read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In verse 11 to 14, where we're at today, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Thank you for following along. We now come to the end of Paul's song of celebration, which as we have seen is one long sentence extending from verse 3 all the way through verse 14. He starts a letter, and he just gets so excited about what he is saying that he forgets to take a breath to breathe. Paul started, and so did we, with an introduction in verse 1 to 2. Who is he as the author, and who is this letter going to, or who is it for? Then in verses 3 to 6, Paul celebrated, and so did we, the great blessings of election and predestination by the Father. This was followed by verses 7 to 10, Paul celebrating the blessings of salvation 
redemption through Jesus. Now, finally, as Paul begins to wrap up or settle down, he gets to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and our inheritance. But not first before again praising God for election, as he had in verses 4 to 6. Again, he celebrates. Please listen as I read this scripture for today once more. Paul states, verse 11 of chapter 1 of Ephesians, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We have seen the past election and predestination through the Father. We have looked to the present in our salvation, redemption, of which we celebrated through Jesus. And we still celebrate today. But now we celebrate the blessings of the Holy Spirit and an inheritance of which we will benefit from both now in the present and in the future for all eternity. This brings us to our first point to discuss this morning. The grounds or dependence of our inheritance. We celebrate the blessings of the Spirit and our inheritance today. But before we do that, we need to see what are the grounds or the dependence of which our inheritance is based upon. Verse 11 says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. In him, notice in him, Jesus is the reason we have this inheritance. Without Jesus, our futures have no hope. As one author, pastor stated, life is tragic. Without Jesus, apart from Jesus, there's nothing in eternity awaiting but condemnation. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 declares the astonishing fact that we in him, in Jesus Christ, have an inheritance. It's because of him. He is the source. According to Romans 8, 17, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And we may suffer now, but someday we will be greatly blessed and glorified in new bodies with Christ reign for all of eternity. 2 Timothy 2.12. And then 1 Peter 3, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, informs us that the inheritance which awaits us is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading. And it's awaiting us in heaven. What glorious news these are great things to greatly praise God for. As everything around us is corrupted, fading, perishable. But we have something waiting us, awaiting us, which is much better, an inheritance. Something that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading. 1 Peter 1, 3-4. These things are worthy of great praise. But do not praise yourself. Do not praise man. Do not praise the man or the woman beside you, your mom or dad, for these things. Yes, they might have helped you find these things, but God is the true source. It is in him, it's in Jesus that we have this possibility. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. And Paul, of all people, Paul was greatly aware of his dependence on Christ. 
He knew that he was a great sinner and he would celebrate this blessing of God choosing him. Election, predestination. This was something immensely comforting to him, just as it was centuries later, I read, of Jonathan Edwards, who wrote that the doctrine, this doctrine of election has often appeared exceedingly pleasant, bright, and sweet. In fact, some might say, I would say that this doctrine, uh, doctrine of election is almost unbelievable. As we ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, understand greatly how unworthy we are. But verse 11 states it clearly. In him we have obtained an inheritance. You can believe it. Later in Ephesians 2.8, Paul states, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. That's why we can depend upon it. This is why Paul also said, preceding that in Ephesians 2, 4-7, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up. With him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Again I recap. The ground or dependence of our inheritance is in him. Jesus. Now we have our second point. Our second idea. The assurance of our inheritance. We have the grounds or dependence of our inheritance. Now we have the assurance or the guarantee of our inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. You see, mankind has always wanted assurances. You want assurances. I want assurances. We want guarantees. We want contracts. We want oaths. We want pledges. We want to know what is coming to us, and we want to be able to hold people accountable. And God is so gracious that although his word is enough, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the assurance or guarantee of our inheritance from God and for eternal redemption. God gives us a pledge, an oath, an unbreakable promise. All believers at the moment of salvation have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this too should lead us to great praise. This is affirmed many times over in Scripture. Romans 8 tells us that if the Spirit is not in you, you, know, you do not belong to him. Also, we read in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit functions in the present, giving us power to work out salvation, our salvation in him. He also works for and in the future. He seals us at the moment of salvation, and he seals for the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. This serves as a pledge of not just what we are promised to have now, but what is to come in the future. A full inheritance, full redemption. The scripture today reminds us of this as well. Some have said that the Holy Spirit sealing us for an inheritance, the assurance, is like an engagement ring of which promises to wed. They say this may remind us of God's promises. Just as spouses make a promise to one another, there is a promise to God. But I think there's a better illustration, you see. <clears throat> because these promises to wed, these engagements, these promise rings, they often dissolve. They get thrown away. 
Some marriages also wrongfully dissolve and end in divorce. Some promises are broken, but not God's promises. Governments make promises and break them all the time. Advertisers, politicians, friends, we all make promises and break them. But not God. Here's a better idea. The Holy Spirit is the down payment, the non-refundable deposit that guarantees that God will carry out all his promises towards us, both now and in the future. There's more coming. God's promises are eternal, and they always come to be. Every promise he makes, he keeps. Every prophecy is fulfilled. We will inherit, receive our inheritance. But what is this inheritance? Well, there are actually two interpretations, both rightfully accepted as well. One is that we are an inheritance. We are Christ's inheritance. We are his, one at Calvary. We now belong to him. Another also true is that we have an inheritance. And what is this inheritance which we have? Well, the Bible does not describe it in great detail here. But it does mention a few things when you look throughout all the scripture and see what is to come for us. Let me list a few. Salvation, redemption. We have eternal life, 1 John 5, 13. We have no second death, Revelation 20. We have not just existence, but we have life. Which includes purpose and a meeting, meaning. Number two, we have a new non-corruptible. We will have a new non-corruptible immortal body. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 to 54 speaks of this. And it will be like Jesus' resurrection body. 1 John 3, 2. We have an eternal dwelling. We will have eternal dwelling with the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will have eternal living in heaven, which is a place, we're told, without mourning, without crying, without pain, without disease, without any evil doers. A place of extreme beauty. A place where God's favor dwells. And finally, but not all, we will have an eternal purpose in serving and worshiping God. You see, we have quite an inheritance, and we will receive it because we are sealed in him by the Holy Spirit, who is God's pledge to us, our assurance, our guarantee of our, of our inheritance and what is to come. William Barclay, pastoral author commentary, <clears throat> once stated, the highest experiences of Christian peace and joy, which the world can afford, are only faint foretaste of the joy in which we will one day enter. It is as if God had given us just enough to whet our appetite for more, and then enough to make us certain that someday he will give us it all. What a great quote. What a great idea. The highest experiences of Christian peace and joy which the, the world can afford are only faint foretaste of the joy in which, into which we will one day enter. It is as if God had given us just enough to whet our appetites for more and enough to make us certain that someday he will give us it all. Paul concludes the sentence here, this long sentence here, by once more reminding us that the purpose of all this is to the praise of God's glory. This is point three. This is the ultimate goal or purpose of our inheritance, as seen in both 
12 and 14. We see at the end here, to the praise of his glory. You see, God has redeemed us from the bondage of sin for his glory. We are his possession. We have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. The ultimate goal or purpose here is that we would glorify him. But it's not without great blessings to ourselves. In fact, just praising and glorifying him is a blessing to ourselves. We have purpose. We have meaning. We have hope. But who is this message for? Let's go back to the beginning here. Let's see throughout this who Paul is speaking of. Paul starts in verse 11 speaking of we. And then in verse 13, he says, in him, you. And finally, in verse 14, Paul says, us. Paul speaks of the unity of which we have as the church. Believers and followers of Jesus as Lord are not alone. And both Jews and Gentiles, all of us together, all throughout time since Jesus is coming, have this inheritance, this blessing of assurance in a sealing by and for God's glory by the Holy Spirit. You see, we are in this together. We are the church. But not, let's not forget the grounds or dependence here. It is in Christ that we have been saved. It is not our own doing. It isn't in Christ because of Christ. Jesus is the source of what we have. Verse 13 reminds us, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we have this inheritance and assurance through the Holy Spirit of God. So I ask you to consider, have you heard and believed? If not, do it now. I ask you to consider, when did you hear and believe? I ask you to remember these things. You see, we are sealed. We hear the truth, we believe the truth, and then we're sealed by the Spirit. One pastor once rightly stated, coming to Jesus is coming to realize the truth of the good news. Let me say that again. That's a great quote. Coming to Jesus is coming to realize the truth of the good news. There's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus. And this is truth, and it's good news, as it is by grace through faith in him, and not by works that we are saved. Finally, I have some take-homes for you, some applications, some stuff to ponder. A seal was an impression. You can maybe picture the old-time letters of a wax seal that they would stamp an impression into it. A seal was an impression. Ponder this. God has made an impression upon you. You have been sealed. The Holy Spirit of God indwells believers and secures and preserves their eternal salvation. This is you. He's protecting us and equipping us to do great work for him and to eternally glorify him. The Spirit of God both shows us God's will and purpose, and then he enables us, equips us to do it to his glory. The Holy Spirit's indwelling, his sealing, is also a mark of identification. Just as a seal on a letter would have, often have the emblem of the one who wrote it, or a seal or branding on cattle would show who that valuable animal belongs to. The seal which we have shows us who we belong to. This seal which we have by the Spirit says we belong to God. We're no longer of the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We are owned by God, and he is preserving us to be with him for all eternity. He's protecting us and guiding us. You see, nothing can steal us, nothing can destroy us, for his seal does not fade 
or break away. It is uncorruptible. His promises are forever. And there is security in the seal, and not just for today, but for the future blessings that he pledges we will have for all eternity. The Holy Spirit also intervenes on our behalf. I saw a, a sign this week which charted, it was a prayer, and at the top it says, Lord God, please. And then all the words were scrambled, all the letters were scrambled, and it just says, God saying back, I understand. I understand. The Holy Spirit intervenes on our behalf. He groans on our behalf when we know not what to say. Maybe you feel lost today. Maybe you feel lost at times. Maybe you feel depressed. Maybe you feel angered. Maybe you feel frustrated. The best thing you can do is read his word and pray. Even when you have no words, pray. God hears because you have had an impression upon you. You are sealed. The Holy Spirit is preparing us to receive our full inheritance someday. And here's the question for you to ponder. A seal was an impression. God has made an impression upon you and continues to do so as he sanctifies you, molding you more into the image of his son. Here's the question. Do people see an impression of God upon your life? Do people see an impression of God in your life? Do they see this seal that we speak of? Do they see who you belong to and the great inheritance you have both now and in the future? Remember, you have a full inheritance in which you await. Do not lose hope. Do not forget that we are family and we're not alone. Help one another to remember the great blessings you have in the Holy Spirit of God. And as we close, I say a quote. Pastor David Platt once said, God the Father chose us, God the Son redeemed us, and God the Spirit has assured us. Let us worship the triune God. We are made to give praise and glory to God, and our hearts will only be fulfilled by doing this praise. So let's praise him today. Let's pray, and then let's praise our triune God in song as we close this service. But don't stop praising him. Don't stop glorifying him. Don't stop looking to the Holy Spirit which is sealing you for your inheritance. Don't stop. Don't forget. Celebrate, just like Paul does. Celebrate your election, your predestination. Celebrate your salvation, your redemption. Celebrate your inheritance. Let's close in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for we are yours. We are heirs to you, Lord. We are heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance, something to look forward to, both now and forever. And we just ask you today, make your impression known upon us and upon all those who see us, so that you would be glorified in us.